Welcome back to the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast, which is coming to you from COECT, the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma, which provides proven strategies to help people living and working with child trauma. In the second series, our experts are focusing on tackling specific problem areas like violence and aggression, sexualised behaviour and school transitions. I'm Serena Gay, your host, and today we can welcome back Jessica Jackson, a guest expert on the first series who provided some invaluable advice on helping your child to sleep. Today, we'll be talking about dissociation and what it exactly is and how to deal with it. Jessica is the adopter of two sibling boys, an academic, a practising social worker and the programme lead on the undergraduate social work BA course at the University of Derby. And she works with COECT as a therapeutic parenting lead, offering one-to-one support to supporting professionals. It's great to have you back again, Jessica. Hello. Hello. It's great to be back. So look, let's just dive straight into what dissociation actually is. Yes. So in a nutshell, it is a um, survival mechanism. It is something that the human brain is able to do and happens particularly in when children are in states of fear or immense danger or distress. And it is where you are mentally leaving the room. You're leaving your body. You're taking yourself to another place at the time to protect yourself from that overwhelming sense of fear, I suppose intolerable experience. The difficulty with it is it's an absolutely amazing survival technique. It, our brains are extremely clever. But what happens is that children will continue to dissociate even after the danger, even after they've been removed from where they're experiencing the danger, because brains can't just stop using a coping strategy and those memories are embedded. So when a child dissociates, how does it appear to the observer? It can actually look different for each child. There are different types of dissociation and I'm not going to go into the intricacies of each one but the presentation looks different in each so you might have children who are telling you that they have no memory of periods of time they might might not remember what you've just done half an hour ago and that might be a common theme and coming up as a concern so if that is happening this might be dissociation they may also present with a sudden change so a sudden change in their personality or mood almost as though there's a different child in the room with you and then they'll come back a little later to how they were and that can be dissociating because dissociating can be another personality presentation where the normal self let's say is the one that's vacating the space and some other personality is coming forward as a protection technique it can also look as though they're having an absence seizure So they can be staring blank. They're just not in the room. And when you call their name, they just don't respond to you. It can be that they they might even tell you. They might be having an out-of-body experience. So they might say that they were looking down on their own body, that they were watching what was happening around them, but they weren't there. There's also, with the different personality presentation, a bit of identity issues within that. So they might say they feel like a different person, They might say they feel as though there's people inside them. They might start talking in different voices or they might present with very different 
age presentation. But surely if the danger has gone away for the child, the dissociation is no longer necessary? Logically and and uh, consciously, we know that is the case. However, the brain doesn't work in that way. It is still responding to the da- to any perceived danger. Yeah, it's like a faulty uh, smoke alarm that goes off every time you burn a bit of toast. The brain doesn't differentiate between real danger and perceived danger. So as soon as it sees a threat, it goes back to the coping mechanism that worked so well. So, so then apart from the fact then that the child, you know, is no longer present in the room, if you like, uh, dur- yes. during these moments, are there additional medical issues that come about because of this? Um, so one of the things we sometimes see is children hurting themselves or children not knowing when they are hurt. So they may have uh, a dissociative episode and they may injure themselves but not be aware of the injury. So they may, their arm may be bleeding, they may be, they may have bumped their head and they're just not aware that they've done it and we need to point that out to them. And obviously that can be quite dangerous, especially for young children. Um, It may also impact their sleep. Uh, And obviously sleep is so important for growing children, repair and recovery. And also, if somebody is dissociating but it's perceived that it might be a medical experience then we might investigate them for things like epilepsy and that's quite intrusive obviously you know it's important to say that a child may have epilepsy i'm not saying that every time there's an absence that it's going to be dissociation but it's something to consider if your child has experienced trauma of course it's a, a worry for the caring adults as well especially if the child is hurting itself the adult will feel it's a reflection on the way they're treating the child Absolutely. It's not a nice thing to observe as a professional or as a parent. It's a it's a really worrying thing. And also you become on hyper alert because you're constantly checking that child for injuries in case they've missed it. Or also they may not know when they're ill or they may have really hurt themselves and not be able to communicate that because they don't feel the pain at the time. Or they may have injured themselves and then because that pain has triggered previous memories, they're dissociating at the time. So they might have felt the pain initially, but they're not feeling it to communicate that with an adult. And that can be really scary as a parent, I would say. But isn't it also dangerous for adults in a caring situation, especially with new children that they're looking after, because it might reflect on them Questions might be asked about whether they are inflicting violence on the child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's something that does come up. I wouldn't say a lot, but it has come up in my experience where because nobody is able to explain where this bruise has come from, right. or where this cut has come from. Of course, there there can be a question mark and a query over that, and that, and therefore, I would say, if parents are suspicious that this might be happening with their children, or they, or they're aware that their child dissociates, then it's something they need to keep a record of. They need to be aware of, and they may want to alert any supporting professionals too. What about the long term effects on a child as it grows up on their on their mental health? So dissociation in childhood, where there are different presentations of self, which is often described as different personalities, and within that, the personalities and the 
the individual presentations are quite fluid in childhood so they can come in and out of that quite easily unresponded to and untreated over many years can lead to those fragmented senses of self being a lot firmer and a lot more set and therefore in adulthood we do see diagnosis of um, something called disassociative identity disorder disorder it's really important to know that that's not common that is rare and that if your child has dissociative tendencies they aren't necessarily going to have an identity disorder in adulthood that's not that's not the outcome for all children but what it's important to recognize is that we need to help them bring those that sense of self together and we need to address that while they're young so that it doesn't have a long-term impact the other thing is even if they weren't to have an identity disorder in adulthood they could have mental health difficulties because of their self-esteem because of their identity because of how they feel maybe not being able to process their emotions well so there are real risks that unrecognized and unaddressed that it can have longer term impacts for children so it's really important then to address it and to support a child and and help them through it so how do you support a child with dissociation one of the best ways of supporting children through most things is to name it and to involve them in it so my youngest son has quite complex dissociation and he has what we call his different parts there is a presentation which is a very young baby there's a presentation that's a caring personality there's his his presentation which is him his amazing bubbly personality and there's also a very angry presentation so what we did with him with the support of a very highly trained clinical psychologist we helped him to talk about those parts and that was very difficult and took quite some time but we did it in a very child focused way so we actually created a book about dinosaurs and different things about out of body experiences and and why this happens but we also took away the shame so we told him your brain did an extremely clever thing when you were a baby it's amazing it's an amazing brain and it and it did this but you don't need that anymore so we're going to help you to stop doing that if a child so basically you know talking to them they might tell you yes that is what i'm experiencing and and actually for some older children being told that that is a thing that that's normal for their experience can be amazing because they can think i thought i was crazy i thought you know I thought I was making things up. When you see dissociation, which appears like an absence, so say they're staring, they're not in the room, the techniques that I would suggest using is to put your hand on them very gently. You won't startle them if they're dissociating. If they're just engrossed in the TV, you might startle them. And that's where you'll probably recognize the difference. If they're dissociating, touching them won't immediately bring them back. So that's a way of knowing. So what I would always suggest is put your hand on them say their name say your name so who you are so i'm just going to pick a name joe that is not my son's name but so i'd put my hand on joe and i'd say joe it's mom you'd say where you are you're in your bedroom we're here and i'm sitting with you and what you're doing is you're grounding them back in reality so it's only a small thing that you need to do but when you ground them back in reality and they're back in the room 
they very rarely know that they just dissociated. So they're more likely to look at you in a way, why are you sat on my bedroom floor next to me? So you won't have significant distress from them is what I'm, I'm saying. So that grounding technique, sometimes if it's quite complex, you may get them half backing the room and you may use, and this is usually for maybe older children, uh, if they're maybe getting a little bit distressed, you can use techniques such as five, four, three, two, one, where we say, tell me five things in the room you can see. Tell me four things in the room you can touch. Three things in the room or the environment you can hear. Two things you uh, can smell. and One thing you feel. And by the time you usually get to about three or two, they're very aware of their environment and they're grounded again. So it's grounding them. That's that really important technique if you're seeing dissociation at the time and using a calm, slow voice in the way that I've just demonstrated. You can also use smell. So if there's something, if they're really not coming back, if there's a smell they really like, maybe a pillow mist or something that you use, you might put that next to them when you're talking to them. And then what I always do afterwards is give them something to eat or drink, because again, that's regulatory. Get them moving, get them walking around, get them back in their environment and make sure you're clarifying their back in the room so you might say to them you might ask them a question about their surroundings not being so explicit to say do you know where you are but saying oh I've never seen that toy before what is it so they might respond and say oh it's my fire truck or um and animals get them to stroke their pets that's quite grounded for children as well so there's lots of little techniques out there so there's so much you can do but should you definitely seek professional help if you're aware your child is doing this I would always encourage people to get support where need where, where they can. It's not a case of that if you don't, something terrible is going to happen. So I don't want people to feel that they have to get therapy involvement. However, it is a complex thing. So you might want to liaise with a, a psychologist or whoever it is you access support through just to give you those tips and advice, to talk your particular needs through. It's not a very straightforward uh, process and it and it so I would say if you can get that support obviously there's lots of information out there now it is getting more readily available so Beacon House but also if you're a member uh, of the National Association of Therapeutic Parents you might want to have a one-to-one -one with one of the therapeutic leads about it so there's ways of doing it without going straight into getting therapy for your child. Will your child grow out of it? I mean, is there a future without this problem ahead of it? I would hope so for all children. And I think we've certainly seen an improvement with our son. So he talks about his parts more. They don't show up as much. They do from time to time, but they don't show up as much. And therefore, and we were advised at the time that over time, if we do that, the need for that dissociation reduces. So definitely, I think with that therapeutic parenting, with all the different techniques around dissociation, you can absolutely see a significant change in your child. Well, that's a positive note to end on. So thank you, Jessica, for shedding light on an issue which really isn't that much talked about, I guess, outside, you know, the world of child caring. And for me anyway, you've really uh, opened up a whole new area of knowledge. So thank you. And for 
all the people listening to find out more and to access help, please visit our website, coect.co.uk. And if you'd like to receive this podcast every week, just press the follow button. You'll find it where you found this podcast. And we'd love you to leave a review for the podcast because it does help other people find us and all our helpful advice. So thank you to Jessica and bye for now. Bye.